0: Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ teaching podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 830 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Round Rock Church of Christ. What a beautiful morning. My name is Emmanuel Dominguez, and uh, so honored to be with you today. Zane is a good friend, and I'm just so so grateful for the work that you're doing here, Zane, and Clark, and the whole leadership team, every volunteer. Thank you for your faithfulness to God, but also thank you for your faithfulness to the people of God. Uh, I'm from Fort Worth. I pastor there at a church called The Hills. I've been a lead student minister there for, gosh, almost eight years now. But well, you can probably see it or hear it in my accent. I am not a Fort Worthian, and I am not a Texan. Um, they try to get me to wear boots. I just can't do it. I just can't. Zane, do you own boots? Well, we gotta talk after this. We gotta get, we gotta get Zane some boots. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm originally from New York City, born and raised there, and so coming from there to Fort Worth was a culture shock, to say the least. And I did I grew up in church, but my life changed when I encountered Jesus at 14 years old. So with that as framework, uh, I know you've been in a series called Doubt It and exploring doubt and faith and what that looks like for your church, but also for the people in your life that are perhaps far from God. And I think this is such a God's timing thing that I get to speak with you this morning. Uh, and, and the framework for our time together today uh, is a heart that burns a heart that burns, what does it look like to have a heart that is burning for Jesus? So I want to start with, a, uh, with a, uh, a little question. Have you ever been speaking to someone and you realized that the person you've been speaking to, you've been speaking about for a long time? Let me illustrate. About 12 years ago, I had a really good friend. And like many good friends, you sit down, you share a meal, you talk about your future, you speak about your goals in life, the career you want to pursue, school that you want to maybe attend. And in this case, we began to speak about our future spouses. This friend is a female, by the way. So her and I, we were sitting, we're sharing a meal, we're just friends, and we begin to speak about, I begin to describe to her my future spouse. And after I share this long list uh, that I'm expecting God to meet in my future spouse, don't laugh. She says, "Ooh, you got to change a lot if you want that, honey." I said, "She's a good friend. She was honest. <laughs> I needed to hear this." And then she proceeds to tell me what she's hoping for in the future spouse. And because she's amazing, I'm like, "Well, oh, that makes sense." Um, well. 12 years later, today, on November 19, uh, that person is now my wife, Marlene. Um, that's Marlene, and we have two sons, Levi Manuel and Zion Brave, Levi's three and Zion's one, so I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just tired all the time, but, but I realized in that moment, friends, that I was describing my future wife but I was really talking to her the whole time, and I just didn't know it yet. In our text today, in Luke chapter number 24, it's a very similar situation, but I would submit it's a bunch more profound. Uh, let's start our reading in Luke chapter number 24, verse 13. Our scripture reader did an amazing job already uh, reading it, but I want to re-look at it. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. Everyone say, Emmaus. Seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly, I love that word, came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And so he asks them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped, short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. In other words, are you living under a rock, bro? What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all of the people. I want to stop there in our story because Jesus... Does what I would consider in our day and age the undercover boss move has anyone seen that show it's incredible for those of us who haven't here 's the premise the CEO of a company would dress up and like receive this Hollywood makeover so well then that that person becomes unrecognizable and so he or she, the CEO of the company, then enters his or her company as an employee and works with his or her employees for a whole week, and the employees have no idea that they're speaking and working with the CEO of the company. And so naturally, as employees do, they're kind of bickering about leadership of the company, they're complaining about some things in the company, but also, and this is when I get emotional when I'm watching the show, they begin to share some personal things, as employees do. They share some needs that they have in their own lives that they would never share if the CEO was in the room. Well, at the end of the week and at the end of the episode, the CEO does the big reveal and like removes the thing, the maker. and it's kind of gross because it's so well done. It's like, wow, the nose came off. Anyway, they, they, <laughs> it removes, removes the, the mask, so to speak, and the employees, some of them are like, oh, no, so what I said this week, I did not mean the company's great, you know, so they're kind of backtracking things that they said in honesty because now the CEO's there. But then others are met with a moment of shock because they shared with that person some deep financial needs that they have or some personal struggles in their family. And the CEO, he kind of forgives the people that were bickering and said, hey, thank you for sharing your concerns. This helps us make the company better. Speak to me more. And the people that shared needs, he or she would provide a bonus or a vacation. And I'm just weeping at this point because it's so beautiful. Here's how I want to build some tension in our time together, friends. Is it true of you that if you knew that Jesus was in the room when you were struggling, that you wouldn't maybe confess some sin like you do to maybe when you're looking at yourself in the mirror or just to some friends? Is it true of you that if you knew that Jesus was actually walking with you and among you, that you perhaps wouldn't live and talk and be the same way that you are if you were in the room? I think Jesus powerfully allows or keeps these friends from not recognizing him because he knew that if they knew that that was Jesus, the risen Jesus, they wouldn't be honest. If you want a heart that burns, Ron Rock Church, you got to be real with Jesus. God wants to bless you. He cannot bless who you pretend to be. That's not who he made. And so what I want to do in our brief time, I want to share three reminders really is what they are with you that I'm convinced by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would walk out this morning with our hearts burning for Jesus. For some of us, for the first time, and for others, it'll be burning again. Here's the first thing we need to be reminded of is that Jesus wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. You've been in a doubted series. Bring your doubts to King Jesus. He wants to hear them. Uh, Bring your concerns. Are there people in your life that are far from him? He wants to hear that. Uh, Have you been disillusioned or discouraged? Bring those thoughts to Jesus. He wants to hear from you. Did you notice in our text so far that Jesus, knowing these two folks, Cleopas and friend, that he keeps asking questions? Kind of comes,
0: what are you guys talking about?
1: And so Cleopas is like, well, this guy named Jesus, we had hoped that he was this this big deal, and now he's dead, and we don't know what to do. And Jesus proceeds to ask more questions, but what things? And then he listens. If you grew up in church, hopefully you've been hearing for most of your life, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Christian in the room, we need to be better listeners, because Jesus is an amazing one. But in your relationship to King Jesus, some of you need to do more speaking, and not just like the church speaking, like, what song did we just sing, Clark? Um, I don't know what church songs really well. Which one? We exalt... <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> we exalt... the like, yes, use your words to exalt King Jesus, but also... Use your words to be honest with King Jesus. Cleopas speaks up. And and I'm no Bible scholar, but it's interesting to me that Cleopas' friend remains anonymous because in our story, Cleopas' friend didn't speak. It says, Cleopas replied. And, And we serve a God that's so merciful that even if you don't open up your mouth and speak, he still knows you by name, praise God. But there's something about opening up your mouth and speaking to Jesus, even if, like our story, it's hard things. It's hard things. Jesus wants to hear from you. Let's keep reading. Verse number 20, but our leading priests and other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. You ought to underline that if you have a Bible or uh, take note of that. We had hoped. What a powerful phrase. That he, Jesus, was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. If you're keeping track of where we are in the life and story of Jesus. He was condemned and crucified Friday. This is, my friends, Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is freshly resurrected. And he shows up, not to his 12, 11 disciples, and other followers, Uh, not to uh, Mary and, and other amazing, powerful women who came and saw the empty tomb. He comes and walks with two people that are leaving Jerusalem, heading back to the place that they came from. It's very interesting. Let's keep reading. Cleopas says, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus, in his resurrected body, shows up to walk with two doubters. People that I'm convinced still have faith, they just lost hope. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been going to a place excited? Friends, by way of context, Jerusalem in our story is celebrating Passover, an annual celebration where all believers from all over the regions would come to say, thank you, God, for passing over our home, for sparing us from your wrath, for reminding us of your mercy. We celebrate you in Passover. And the way they do that, they'll bring their best, give me an animal, like goat, okay, and like, a, like the best one, you know, and I'm assuming this is how you carry a goat. I'm not sure, but they'll bring it, they'll bring it for some people from faraway places like Emmaus, seven miles. To you, seven miles is laughable because you have a vehicle and like nice walking shoes. Bible times, seven miles is a good amount of walking. Especially if you're bringing your offering with you. Some people wouldn't bring an offering with them. They would just buy it at the local markets and then bring it to the celebration. But here's what I want you to see, friends. Cleopas and his friend, they walked seven miles excited and full of faith to encounter a God that has been merciful They're excited to see Jesus, the one that they've been following, who they had hoped was the Messiah, the promised Savior and Redeemer of their people. Imagine going to Jerusalem, ready to be filled with faith, heart on fire, and witnessing
0: the person you followed be condemned and crucified. When you have expectation, and what actually happens is so far from it,
1: the gap in between is called disappointment and disillusionment. The gap in between is what kind of kills us. I expected, I had hoped, but this happened, and now I'm in despair. Let me illustrate. When I was a senior in high school, I got into one of the most prestigious schools in New York City. And I got in through a program called HEOP, is an acronym for Higher Education Opportunity Program. And you needed two things to get into this program. You needed to be poor and you needed to be smart. And I was both of those things, I think, which is good. So I get in and I'm stoked. I'm telling my mom, my mom is celebrating. My mom is an immigrant from Dominican Republic. I am first generation American. Pero yo todavía hablo español. So I could speak in Spanish and preach in Spanish if you wanted. So people are like, give me a translator. Settle down. I'm preaching in English. I get into this program. My mom is elated. I celebrate. I go to Puerto Rico with some friends for a week to celebrate my acceptance. I come back. Freshman orientation comes around the corner. My mom and I, we go to freshman orientation. I'm excited. They're doing the whole spiel. I'm sitting. And afterwards, they say, go to the uh, check-in table and look for your name, and we'll give you all of your credentials. Great. I walk over to the check-in table. And the lady asks for my name and I say, Emmanuel Dominguez, look it up. And she's looking, and she's looking, and she's looking, and she doesn't find it. So I'm like, I'll show you the emo girl, I'm in. Like, so she calls over her advisor uh, and her advisor comes, like the head advisor of the school. And then he's looking and he's looking and he doesn't find my name. And so then they call over the supervisor with the lanyard. You know, anytime time that guy comes, I'm concerned. So he comes down, and they kind of do a huddle. And lanyard gentleman calls me into his office. At this point, I'm like, okay. I sit down with my mom. My mom does not know English. I'm about to tell you the hardest words I think I had to translate for my mom at that point in my life. The gentleman proceeds to tell me, hey, we tried to reach you to get the last confirmation of your seat. We didn't hear back from you,
0: so we gave your seat to someone else. I translated that from my mom. My mom began to weep. Three words came to my mind. I had hope. I had hope that I was going to get in, that I was going to break
1: generational curses, that I was going to be the first in my family to go to a prestigious university and get my degree. Have you been there? And maybe it was a relationship that you were like, oh, this is going to be it. This person won't break my heart. This person will divorce me. I've seen it in my family. We are going to set the example of what a united front. And then that person begins to be unfaithful or to break your heart, and you had hoped that it will be different. Maybe it was a job that you got that you were excited to go and work, and immediately you realize I had hoped that this would be different, but this is a toxic work environment. Maybe Thanksgiving is coming on Thursday, and you had hoped that by now your family will be reconciled or things will be different in your home, that you will come to the table this Thursday and people would be on the same page, but, but maybe on this Sunday you're realizing,
0: I don't think my hope is going to be met with expectation of reality. Cleopas and friend are there,
1: my friends. I love that the Bible is not a collection of stories of perfect people living a perfectly holy life to a perfect God that is emotionless. The Bible is a story of broken people like you and I that are real about their sin and struggle with a perfect God who loves them and sees them and has emotion for them. This is God's word. This is why I love the word of God and I get stirred and my heart burns because God isn't distant. Just because you haven't seen God recently doesn't mean he's lost sight of you, friend. He's with you. He sees you. Maybe he's even walking alongside you like Cleopas and his friend. Number one, Jesus wants to hear from you. But two, did you notice that he rebukes them? But then he says, let's have a Bible study. And so for the final seven miles, he takes them from the writings of Moses, all of the Torah, all of the scriptures. Why? Because secondly, Jesus wants to teach you. What's to teach you? Oh, I want to hear your doubts. I want to hear your concerns. I want to hear what breaks your heart. I want to hear about your hopes and your broken dreams. But I also want to teach you. I want to remind you. Ooh, that greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Ooh, I want to remind you of of my promises to you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that he rebukes Cleopas and friend. And then he says, don't you remember? It's written in the scriptures that the Messiah would have to suffer and endure these things. Are you, like me, forgetful? I am so forgetful. I forget, like, God could do a miracle in my life, y'all, last month. And this month, I'm like, Father, you've left me. It's like, relax. Did you did you,
0: did you forget Though he came through for you? I forget. Cleopas and friend, they forgot. And
1: not only did they forget with their mind, our mind communicates to our heart and our heart
0: to our bodies. They forgot. And then they began to walk away the place they should have been. Leaving
1: Jerusalem, leaving the other disciples and followers, they're leaving sadness written across their faces. And Jesus walks and teaches them. If that doesn't make your heart burn, I don't know what will. And when I say heart burn, I don't mean the bad kind. Like acid reflux, you know? Like, nobody wants that kind of heartburn. I mean... I mean, have you ever been so hungry that your tummy hurt? I'm a young dad. I just said tummy. This is great. Like, like so hungry that you were like, you had like abdominal cramps. Like, wow, like, I, I need sustenance. I need, this is the kind of desperation. Like, like it's David in Psalm. Like, it's search me, oh, God. Know me, have me, lead me. Like, it's a deep desperation. It's a longing that only God can fill. That's what I mean by having a heart that burns. And realize my my three points are not, here's what you need to do to be a burning one. No, no. This is what you need to remember that Jesus does or that Jesus is. Friends, all that we are is a response to who Jesus is. That's true discipleship. But let's go ahead and finish our story. Verse number 28. Uh, By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. Everyone say Emmaus. And the end of their journey.
0: So they made it all the way back home.
1: Jesus, I love this, (laughs) acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us. Since it's getting late. So he went with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it and then he gave it to them. Oh, don't miss that. He took bread. He, Jesus, is the bread of life. He broke it. Jesus, three days before this moment, was broken. Body broken on a cross. And then he blessed it. And then he gave it to them. Jesus gave himself. What a beautiful picture. Resurrection that Jesus had just done suddenly, here's that word again, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that very moment, he disappeared. Are you kidding me? The moment that they recognized it's him, he's gone. Here's how our story ends. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them.
0: Okay, and there we end. So, my heart is stirred so deeply because I think about this journey. I think about
1: how Jesus could have stopped them and redirected them a mile or two in. But but Jesus walked with them where they were going, which, friends, is the wrong way. I know that in your Doubt it series the last couple of weeks, you've been thinking about, at least as I hope this is true, some prodigals in your life. People in your life and sphere of influence that are far from God. I hope that you've been thinking and praying about them, considering, Lord, what would you have me do to bring them back to you? folks that you work with, sons and daughters in your life, people that you will see this Thursday at Thanksgiving on that side of the family that's, you know, you know what I'm talking about. ain't no perfect family. When you think about those people, what do you think? Do you think, ooh, Thanksgiving, I'm going to say, stop, turn around, let's go. You're going to hell if you don't
0: change your ways. If that's your ministry, bless you. It's not the way Jesus rolled. (laughs) Jesus saw
1: two people, disillusioned, in despair, walking away from the place that they should be.
0: And he walks with them all the way back home, home to Emmaus. But as he walks with them, he hears
1: them, he teaches them, he he journeys with them. And then once they arrive, he breaks bread with them. Did you notice at the end that it said Jesus acted as as if he was going to continue? And that Cleopas and friend they begged him to stay. Have you ever begged God for anything? Uh, People ask me all the time because I work with 300 high schoolers and middle schoolers every single week. What do I do to better disciple my teenager? And I tell adults, it's not another class Classes are good, keep having them, but, but classes are not enough. Why? Because these teenagers have access to more information than you do through the internet. It, it, it's not another moment of another event. It's not, you know what it is, friends? It's a generation that would be desperate for God and model that for the next generation. A, a begging, please stay with us a desire to be with God to lay our lives down so that the next generation can say i want to do that too i'm learning as a young dad the next generation they won't do what we say they will do what we do
0: you want your son and daughter to be desperate for God to have a heart that's burning for God how about you are you desperate is
1: your heart burning there's a moment a couple of weeks ago where we celebrated my youngest first birthday. And we were setting everything up for the party. And I'll be honest, I was busy. I was getting, I was on my phone making sure everybody was gonna arrive at the right time. And my son, my older son, he comes up and he holds my hand. And so we're walking together, I'm on my phone distracted. I have a picture for you. And in that moment, <clears throat>
0: I kind of finished what I'm doing. I'm like, Levi, baby, you can let go. We're not crossing the street. You're safe. And Levi said, I know, Dad. I just want to be with you. Um, I
1: tell people, only two things make me cry in this life, the presence of Jesus and my wife and kids.
0: My son said, I know, Dad. I just want to be with you
1: and I'm laying myself bare. I'm I'm ashamed that I was so distracted that I, I didn't
0: realize my kid, like, he wasn't trying to cross the street. He was just trying to be with Dad. I wonder, Ron Rock, do you know that your Heavenly Father just wants to be with you? Do you know that Jesus came and died on the cross so that you can live
1: life in abundance, not just to give you fire insurance, but so that you can be with God? Your heart could burn and break for the things that burn and break the heart of God. This is why you were made. Would you be like my three year old boy? Be like a child and say,
0: God, I just want to be with you today. So let's do that together. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. I know you love these people under the sound of my voice. Jesus, would you, would you walk up to them right
1: now? Father, I know you've given us holy imagination for a reason. You've knitted us in our mother's womb. You've made us humans, the crown of your creation, your masterpiece, so that we can be able to do things like this to close our eyes and channel our hearts and see our Abba Father. So right now, I'm going to allow 30 seconds of silence. And Father, would you speak to your sons and daughters, some for the very first time. Others have done the Holy Spirit listening sessions, but right now, Holy Spirit, oh God, I sense your presence. You can minister to hearts better than any preacher can, better than any other person can. So right now,
0: Holy Spirit, you know the hearts in the room. Would you come? Fill, fill hearts right now as we listen. What does his face look like as he walks? Is his countenance frowning? Is he disappointed? If that's what you're seeing,
1: I just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Jesus is smiling over you, son and daughter. The banner over you is love. Jesus loves you as he approaches you. What is he doing? Is he stooping
0: low? Is he hugging you and holding you? Some of you have needed a hug for a very long time. Is your Lord and Savior, is your friend, is your brother Jesus holding you? I sense you dropping your shoulders, placing the weight of the world that you've been carrying for a while back on Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for these, and I beg you, with our hearts burned for you, not just today.